0: Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna to continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations, as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoyed our podcast as well as today's episode. Hey, I'm Patrick Vendaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Excited to have on Tony Morrow, current franchisee, entrepreneur, worked at a a large franchisor. Tony, thanks so much for joining today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So I reached out to you on on LinkedIn. I followed some of your your, your comments. I I went into your profile. I was like, wow, he has a pretty uh, extensive background in entrepreneurship and franchising. And I believe it started at at Sonic Drive-In.
1: It did. That's where I got my maiden voyage and exposure into the franchise space. I actually got a little bit of exposure prior to then as well but uh really immersed myself into the franchise or environment you know when i joined when I was fortunate enough to join sonic back in 04 uh, just had a, a, a really fond memories and a great brand uh it was really in a growth phase at the time and uh but just just a lot of good memories from Sonic.
0: And leaving Sonic, you, you you switched into a totally different industry. If I didn't, if I'm not mistaken,
1: right? So um, I had opportunities within Sonic to, um, you know, basically I was I was leading. It uh, started out leading marketing for uh, the Southeast region, and um, that morphed into operations too over time. And then had some opportunities within the brand, and then with perhaps with some other brands too. But I felt like at the time, I felt like. If I'm going to make a pivot into a major leadership role within a franchise brand, I, f- I felt like I needed to do it myself. I feel like I needed to just experience what it was like. Have,
0: have that true way. empathy like that the business owner has, that franchisee who's doing a big build out, going all in, SBA loan.
1: Right. Absolutely. So. I, I wanted to do that, and I had the opportunity to do that, but then also kind of be a franchisor of sorts too within a within a space that was uh, of value to me as, as a young father at the time. Um, you know had the opportunity to um, build out a new concept here in the us. Uh, an education concept uh, franchise concept started it here uh, in my home city of Birmingham, but then that morphed out into Florida, Texas. Uh, and other locations within the Southeast and, um, you know, spent a number of years doing that too. So, got to see franchising from really every perspective you could possibly see it from.
0: And for that education concept, did you have a couple corporate locations and then franchisees across that, those regions?
1: Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And then we basically grew that out through uh, bringing on other uh, partners to, to franchise locations over time. At
0: what point did you decide to to move on to the next venture? Was there was it more of like a business decision, personal decision?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Frankly, I guess the uh, the ugly side of franchising kind of came out about seven years in. Um, we had licensed some curriculum as part of this education concept from a gentleman who, at the time, we understood to uh, have a B.A. Ph.D. Yeah, we found out later that well, it's not necess- not exactly a PhD. Uh, okay. Well, it's not exactly a PhD. Well, what exactly is it? Well, we started digging into it a little bit further and needless to say, uh, my, my level of confidence in terms of, uh, continuing on, uh, in, in that capacity with that concept waned tremendously, uh, over, over, t- over a short period of time. And so we just decided to part ways, uh, at that point And, um, Really, I took a little time to just really figure out. I, I mean, I knew I, I liked the franchising space. I, I liked the fact that it gave folks an opportunity to become who had that entrepreneurial spirit to really become an entrepreneur without the long cycle time. You know, you could have a, you could stand up a a franchise, uh, if you were interested and had the capacity to do it and the resources to do it, you could stand one up in 90 days if you wanted to, I mean, if you were aggressive enough. So I really looked, tried to look for the right opportunity where a, a franchise brand who needed somebody who could lead a brand. And uh, that took, candidly, you know, that that was around the time COVID hit too. So there was a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market too. A lot of people were just holding on to their chips But that gave me a little extra time to find, ultimately, um, have Signal find me, really, is what ended up happening. And uh, I'm glad they did. And it it was worth the wait.
0: How'd this work? And for those that don't know, Signal is top 10 fastest growing franchisor, kind of under the radar, opening up, I don't know, at least 100 units every year, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, we we're in the uh, private security space, and so we provide private uh, dedicated uh, security patrol security for a variety of different verticals uh, throughout really the U.S. and internationally as well. And so what's interesting about it, too, is you wouldn't think there's some parallels between education and security, but there really is because fundamentally as a business, it's it's about. optimizing our personnel resources. And so uh, our inventory is our time ultimately. And so like the education business, security is the same way. Whereas if we don't have the right personnel in the right spot at the right time, we don't collect the revenue at all. And it was the same, it was very identical to education. So that in becomes a priority. And uh, but but that is our our focus. We're um, experiencing a lot of growth. Uh, In that regard, especially just the the current climate uh, where we are in terms of the, uh, I guess you could say the geopolitical climate and uh, just economically too, uh, and and just how stretched really municipal law enforcement is right now in terms of uh, a a lot of uh, police departments. Across the country, are operating at about fifty percent capacity right now. So um, services like what we provide are critical for um, for a lot of. So
0: when protocols. these different municipalities are defunding their police departments, there is an opportunity for the private sector to come in.
1: Yeah, to supplement for sure. Yeah, and and a lot have.
0: And it's been what. Two years since you opened.
1: Oh no, yeah. So I joined. Uh, I was appointed CEO of uh, Gulf South uh, Gulf South Holdings, which is the its largest franchisee. That was back uh, a year ago.
0: Nice. How many like locations do you have? Would you say there's physical locations, or is it more like in territories?
1: Yeah, so that's the nice thing about the model is that uh, under a certain amount of revenue per uh, month, this this concept can be run out of your home, and so that's good for. It, it, there's a lot of things about Signal that are very franchisee friendly that I haven't found in like other franchise concepts. You know, that flexibility to be able to run business from you know, home. Yeah, because usually, like um, even the
0: real estate property management ones, like. Yeah, it's okay. Like, but in, once they get like to fifty units, hundred units, they want you to have like a physical office. That's an extra cost Correct. for the franchisee.
1: Yeah, and and so we're sensitive to that because we know there's a ramp up period where uh, and there's a break even period, and we want you know the, the the other franchisees within the system to really hit that and and get there in terms of break even as as quickly as they possibly can. That's one benefit. The other thing that, that Signal does do that uh, I think is really um, Unique is that they uh, occasionally will give royalty rebates and credits uh, based on performance. That's something that you don't see a lot. I haven't seen that. I, I haven't, really heard haven't about seen that. another franchise yeah. that, that does that. No, but Signal will do it. Usually, and, um, and with so The latest
0: stuff. trend I've seen, like I was digging into some home care franchise, Home Instead, where it's like if you don't hit certain growth targets, you have to pay more royalties. And it's like,
1: which is really (laughs) counterintuitive, It sounds like, well, (laughs) it just sounds more like
0: an employee plan than like a, you're your own business owner and you can kind of like grow at a rate.
1: That's, that's something within the franchise space that, that some franchisees get, I guess, frustrated with is they wonder if their franchisor is really interested in their bottom line, because the, you know, the argument that you'll hear sometimes is from a franchisee is that, well, the franchisor Gets paid off the top line and I get paid off the bottom line. So there is that strife sometimes within the franchise space. Um, well,
0: I, you know, I looked at a big that- kickboxing franchise or that they went down from maybe like 500 units to 300 units over the last few years. And they were doing like operating profit per their item, what's the it, item 21 or 22, where there's the financial disclosure of the franchise or making like two mil a year and talking to their franchisees, like almost no one's making money. They're collecting the royalties while their franchisees are closing. And they're not offering nice rebates uh, to my, to the best of my knowledge, like Signal uh, has been doing.
1: Right. Yeah. And and sometimes you you do run into some, some franchise concepts where the model is to open more franchises and get the franchise fee. And then in terms of the royalty uh, part of it, that's almost like just, that's basically just yapp at that point, right? It's gravy, if you will. Those are the ones that um, yeah, you probably, you need to you be cautious for of. Yeah, it's good to see like on the line
0: right. item, like how much money they're making from the royalties versus like how much money they're right. making selling or reselling franchises with the transfer fees.
1: Yeah. So, you know, looking for one that uh, does kind of, you know, have a good balance there in terms of its revenue mix and where it's getting its revenue from and hopefully mainly primarily getting it from royalty. But then at the same time, um, has some measures in place where they're uh, genuinely interested in, in, in growing a sustainable brand and not just interested in the other franchisees not saying whether or not a franchisee is profitable, but is the fran- franchisee financially content is, as I, I make that distinction there. There's a difference between profitable and, in Yeah. You can have content.
0: different goals. Like I've spoken to franchisors that are in growth mode and they lose money, but they that's part of the plan and they'll be profitable in three years. But right now they're in growth right. mode. And as long as that's what they were aligned to do and, th- and they're happy with then that should be fine. Franchisee right. could also benefit them. Basically, you had the largest franchisee sought you out to be the CEO. Could you tell me a little bit about right. that that relationship? Is an individual private equity backed company that in internet contact with you?
1: It's a partnership, and um, it was a it was a retained search, and um, we operate multiple units across across the country, so um, mainly in the southeast southeastern United States. It was rather serendipitous, and it came at a uh, at a time for me that I thought was just really perfect. They needed what I had, and they were offering what I was looking for, and so. Um, And and so it allowed me to stay here in my home base where I live. Didn't have to relocate or anything, which was great. And um, it just it just it just worked out.
0: Glad you're bringing this up because in the franchise space, there's so many opportunities. Like I personally don't own any franchises, but I own stock and numerous franchise brands that are publicly traded. And there's a great a lot of opportunities to be employed by at the franchisor level, at the franchisee level but all you hear about is like be, become a franchisee become a franchisee own it but right now 2023 it's not a bad time to be an employee with unemployment in many markets at 3% 4% growth opportunities if you're right. in the right brand so
1: no absolutely and and, and really if you were um, if you were somebody who perhaps was thinking about possibly going out on your own but maybe wanted to take an intermediate step yeah. first maybe start by working for a yeah. franchise, or you know, in some capacity, and you'll learn the system, you'll learn the fr- that's kind of really what happened with me when I started with Sonic way back when. It was, um, I had some exposure to like HMS Host uh, be- before then, but really wasn't directly involved, um, but it- until it- it immersed in the space until uh, Sonic uh, recruited me uh, back then, and but but it really gave me a, a, a really good sense of how the franchise space and franchising works. If it's something you're considering and you thought, hey, maybe I might wanna open one of those one day, well, maybe instead of making that leap, maybe that's an intermediate step you make. And, and uh, that's another thing that uh, we offer at Signal too that's really unique too, is we have what's called the RISE mm-hmm. program where um, our employees can rise through the ranks and ultimately become a franchise owner in, t- in time and there's a career path oh, that. for that
0: dominoes is like that yeah. chick-fil-a a lot of the top brands they're recruiting from within
1: yeah and that makes sense right i mean because you're not having to invest a lot you know in terms of the uh, intellectual capital and intellectual you know uh, equity that you're having to um expend it's it, the ramp up period is far less for somebody who's already familiar with your system
0: and if it's a legitimate opportunity there is financing whether it's it's uh, bank loans or on the equity side like if you're good yes. and it's a legitimate system like you there will be money to finance your operation
1: yeah that that's definitely available and the rates are you know com, you know competitive and in and, and some cases you know that you perhaps wouldn't get um, through traditional uh, lending facility or a bank so depending on the franchise or
0: and tell me yeah, about yeah, your organization definitely- what's the headcount like
1: Well, gosh, uh, I think internationally, we have uh, over 6,000 employees, but within my, you know, within our group, we're we're just shy of 500 uh, total. Not too big, not too small either, but then that, and and again, we operate uh, throughout the Southeast, so, and the makeup of our team is uh, really diverse. I mean, we have folks, uh, uh, we're very uh, veteran friendly, in fact, this evening, I'm going to a... uh, an event here locally about hiring, you know, hiring heroes, uh, hiring heroes event here locally to this evening. And we're very open and, 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 and very active in, in in hiring our veterans. It's a great uh, transition. Uh,
0: but, I but mean, they've been providing security services this is all over the world. You know, why not do it back in your hometown?
1: Yeah, and a lot of those core disciplines that we look for, and just in terms of being on time, being vigilant and what that means, it's already embedded them as habit, right? So, uh, so it, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Could you tell a little bit about the economics of whether your franchise or, or just in general, signal what are the costs to open up, what they could potentially expect in revenue, or at least how they make money?
1: In terms of specifically, that's that's going to vary depending on the opportunity you're looking for, right? So the way we, um, the way we, we parse it out is we, um, we look at a geography. And we can carve up that geography based on zip codes and population. And then based on that, we basically price it out uh, in terms of the cost of entry based on just how how much of that geography a potential entrant wants uh, or, or, or could potentially operate. And, and then also we look at um, the verticals. We'll, we'll do a you know the count of the various verticals that we target and how many are within that particular geography. So it'll range a bit. I mean, but uh, gosh, I mean, we have uh, one franchisee who basically owns the entire state of Maine, like the entire state um, and has exclusivity there. But then we have a market like Atlanta, like where we own part of it, and then we have two others that own other parts of Atlanta. So it really does depend. Um, but I, what I what I could say is that there is opportunity for really anyone with, with a decent amount of resources to be able to carve out a, a particular uh, market or part of a market at a relatively affordable rate.
0: And do you see most of your fellow franchisees are, are scaling up? Or do you have guys that are happy in their small town making say a hundred K a year from the business.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing about it too. And particularly in this model is you can, you can grow to whatever you're content with or uh, remain. You can have your piece of a, a particular geography and, as long as you're again financially content, that is your prerogative as well. That's the nice thing about the model is that you, you, there's no not necessarily you know whatever mandate to grow and acquire additional markets uh, unless that's something you aspire to, um, then, then you can.
0: I like that flexible because yeah, you have a lot of franchisors that are really pushing and and even in the beginning process selling someone to open up you know, five mm-hmm. territories where they don't have experience in security, they have never owned their own business and it and, and might not be wise right. for the franchise or even to provide them that, that territory.
1: No, that's, that's a good point because yeah, some will come in and they'll, for example, they'll sign a development agreement for multiple markets thinking, okay, well, this is how many units I'll need to open in order to generate this amount of top line in order to generate X and Y amount of bottom line, assuming I net 10% or whatever their target is. And then they get into it and realize, okay, well our ramp up time and our you know our, our time to scale and our, our cycle time is a lot longer than we thought. And we may not be able to develop, fulfill the elements of this development agreement in the timeframe that we agreed to once they get into it and in some cases they can find themselves in a in a tough situation uh, sometimes depending on conciliatory their franchise or is in that regard uh, they can find themselves in, in a tough spot and um, you know in this model uh, that we have it's not that way you know it's you know if, if there's if there's a desire to grow into a different market and look for growth and growth opportunities, Great. Then we'll look at some geography and look what's available. Look, look at what's available. But in terms of like tying you to a this specific development agreement, there's no real pressure. At least I haven't sensed to do that uh, within this brand.
0: And do you know talking to the the franchisees? Because I know you came into an existing opportunity. But what is that like? Right. What's the reasonable time to ramp up? Where is it three months of break even or after six months? Are the people still putting money into the business?
1: That's going to depend too. It's going to depend on the territory. It's going to depend on, you know, the, the opportunities that cycle time, uh, close rates of existing, all your sales metrics from marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads to inquiries to closure, you know, to contracts to close. I, I haven't had the sense though, that it's unreasonable. I'll just put it that way. Usually, though, um, in, in in cases where it is, uh, there, there's certainly an opportunity within the existing franchise space for for some sort of a transition to happen uh, with with those folks that might find themselves maybe in in distress. Which I really haven't uh, I- I experienced that directly, um, but there's options. Um, in order to alleviate that if if need be.
0: Is there any kind of like KPI in terms of like the efficiency of that employee that's providing security services and maybe a parallel to your past uh, life with the learning centers?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, the main thing that we, I mentioned this previously too, but it's, it's, it's similar to the education space where what is critical is for staff to be on time and be there and be vigilant. And so, because again, if, if we don't have personnel there to fill that post uh, for that shift, we don't collect the revenue at all. It's not like, uh, for example, a, a Sonic, I'll use Sonic as an example, where a prep staffer uh, doesn't, doesn't show up for a shift. Life goes on. Yeah, you can usually disperse that within a couple of other people and and, and make sure that those, um, those tasks get handled or that work gets handled. Not the case with us, so the you know the main thing operationally from uh, from key performance is just shift completion i mean that's that's a number one all of my staff knows that that's what i 'm going to continue to focus on day after day after day, and then from there you know we're looking we we, we are big into what we call the officer brand experience, making sure that uh, because when people are asset and or, or, or what we 're selling in providing as a competitive advantage but we've got to invest in them too so we provide uh monthly ongoing uh training for our officers our our branch supervisors and managers in the field we just completed one in atlanta here a couple weeks ago where we we taught uh managers in the field about how to uh how to conduct an effective scrum Hmm. meeting with their um with their officers you know and, and and uh you know how to run one effectively and uh and what to focus on within those within that short period of time so in that you know some some secondary kpis that we look at in terms of officer brand experiences is, is are we retaining our new hires okay. and what's our what's our length what does of success look like for, for you, our officers? on the
0: retention
1: side on the retention side for our officers anything you know right now i mean we're our turnover Certainly in a business like ours, and I think I think a lot of companies and, and brands overall are, are, are just feeling the pinch of, of hiring. You know, that's become more challenging over the past couple of years. What we look for in terms of uh, an optimal staff retention is about 60% or better in terms of turnovers, in terms of on an annual basis, retaining about 60% oh, of what God. we bring in at the beginning of the year. Right now, we're hovering around that. Uh, and, and ideally, I'd like for that to be better um ideally because obviously there's costs associated with recruiting okay. too and hiring and, and and ramping up hard and soft costs so naturally if we could we can improve that um and we look for ways to create some advantage and some value in that regard for the folks that we're bringing on board uh once you know, but that's that's typically what we look for as as acceptable now whether or not i would coin that as Successful? Well, I don't it, know that I economics ever, work. I don't know that I'll ever be 100% content and happy with anything. But um, ideally, I'd like for it to be 100% all across the board. But the reality is that's probably not going to be the case, right? So, but yeah, given all the factors and, and, and variables that are involved, uh, you know, that's you know around 60% is what we what we target and what we what we consider to be acceptable, if you will.
0: Well, Tony, I want to be mindful of your time. Do you have any concluding thoughts for would-be franchisees or even early stage franchisors kind of leaning on your experience from the the learning centers that you run? In
1: terms of uh, folks perhaps looking to get into the uh, franchise space, I would say take your time. You're in no hurry. There will likely be, from the franchisor's perspective, a lot of pressure (laughs) to speed up. (laughs) And false, get, you, get you into the system and get you, yeah, yeah, that there's, there, there can be a lot of that. So I'm kind of speaking from the franchise or end as both right now, but it uh maybe in one way, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here a little bit, but <laughs> just in full candor, especially for the, for the folks who come into our system, you know, we want you, I know signal feels very strongly that we want for this to be feel very good for you and us. Right. So I would say be somewhat wary of a franchise or who is in a hurry because any franchisor who is genuinely interested in your success, your financial contentment, your level of comfort with their brand, they will respect that you need time as well as they need time uh, to properly evaluate this relationship. And so if you're entering the franchise space, yeah, I would say be, be a little bit uh, cautious of those who are looking to get you ramped up and operational in a very quick, in a very short period of time. Other than that, no, I, I, good questions. I mean, uh, I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and taking the time.
0: No, thanks so much, Tony. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review. If you enjoyed the podcast episode, if you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free also to also drop me a line at patrick@vettedbiz.com at and subscribe, please, to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.